0: awkward as ever, it's Fangraphs Audio. Hello, I'm Fangraphs contributor, Carson Sestouli. In this particular edition of the podcast, we bring Fangraph contributors Matt Clawson, aka Devil Fingers, and our man in the Midwest, Jack Moore, to the pod. In this particular episode, we take a tour of the Middle West of this country, piggybacking off of our What Should They Do series. We look at a couple teams from Chicago, the White Sox and the Cubs, and speculate on their respective positions, both in their divisions and in their likely maneuvers as we enter trade season. We head slightly north to to a stadium that is frequently referred to as Wrigley North, and we investigate the curious case of Manny Parra. Parra, in the event that you don't know, has both recently reclaimed a spot in the Milwaukee rotation and additionally, and more curiously perhaps, is the owner of a three fifty batting average of ball and play against in 380 Major League innings. We go to another NL Central foe, Pittsburgh Pirates, where General Manager Neil Huntington has just been given a two-year extension on his deal. Jack Moore leads us through a conversation about the Pirates and speculates upon whether there is indeed a process in place. It's neither fast nor furious, but it is Fangraphs Audio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Fangraphs Audio at the Curiously Roundtable today. Uh, we have a couple of guys who, uh, well, certainly uh, one of them who you recognize from the pod. Um, he's not Canadian, but he he plays one at Fangraphs, and uh, he's also a contributor occasionally to maybe Royals Review, uh, maybe beyond yeah, the box yeah, score. Beyond the box Store. I'm
1: just I'm a groupie at Royals Review.
0: You're just you're just a groupie. Okay, uh, and his name is in fact Matt Lawson How you doing, Matt?
1: I am doing well, considering how miserably hot and humid it is here in Canada.
0: In Canada, yeah, that's uh, of course for a uh, well, I don't know what you call it down here. A statesider is that something that you use up there? I don't know. Because you're because you're not Canadian. Is the next right. line, yeah. Um, well, I I guess I don't feel that bad that it's hot. Uh, it, uh, listeners of the pod will know that um, uh, week after week. Uh, in May and June, I've been complaining about the uh, horrid weather here in Portland, and it continues today. The temperature's not bad, but it's just miserable, miserable and cloudy. But uh, Matt, anyway, very good to have you here. And uh, also joining us is a young man uh, from the uh, the great Midwest of this country um, and a living currently in a city uh, to, which, um, I, uh, to which I'll be moving very soon. This is uh, Jack Moore of Fangraphs. And he's in Madison, Wisconsin. How are you doing, Jack?
2: I'm doing great. How about you?
0: Good, Jack. Uh, uh one question. How do you feel about fried cheese curds? Oh, they're
2: good. Yeah. That's a yeah. fact.
0: Oh man, so I, I love
1: cheese curds. I didn't know they were frying them now. Is that, oh, is absolutely. That a, That's that the that only way to eat them. <laughs> you make oh,
0: your man. you make your way to uh, Wisconsin. They'll they'll fry anything for you. Just,
2: just go to so any up. county fair. Yeah.
0: i was, I'm was so freaking
2: hungry right now. That's really a thing. Um, well, it.
0: excellent. Hey, listen, uh, you know, speaking of uh, the Midwest, a lot of our show today has to do with the Midwest. Um, I've assigned uh, to each of our contributors today the responsibility of uh, sort of framing one conversation each. I'll do the same thing, and hopefully, by the end of it, it will be an official podcast. Uh, so that's the plan. Clausen, we're going to start with you. Um, I believe you have something to say about the White Sox and the words uh, fire sale might have something to do with it. I, of course, uh, well, that might be one word or hyphenated. I don't know. I, uh, despite being the copy editor at Fangraphs, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm loath to admit that I don't know exactly how I would spell fire sale. But why don't you lead us down this road and uh, tell us what's happening <laughs> they're here. <laughs> they're having a fire sale.
1: <laughs> a little uh, Arrested Development tribute there. It's not very funny. Um I mean, my invitation wasn't funny. Yeah, I don't know. I I posted this thing on what we're doing our little what uh, what what each team should do. Various people, and I have the AL Central for some reason. I can't imagine what that is. Um, And I posted today, and I don't know how it's going to be received. Some people are not thrilled with it, uh, but yeah, well, that's to be expected. About the White Sox, and I think they should be selling, selling, selling. And now that might be obvious to some people, but you know, they're actually five hundred right now, so you think, yeah, maybe they shouldn't be selling, but but the truth is, they just came off uh, six, a miraculous six-game sweep of the Nationals, the Pirates, so <laughs> maybe everyone in the AL is a buyer after Interleague's you know, over, but um, yeah, I see a team that, uh, I mean, they're out playing their pie bag a little bit, that's not the main thing, they're just not, I thought they might be around 500 if you start the year, and uh, that's what they're doing, that's not good enough. They're not as good as the Twins. The Tigers aren't playing them. They might catch them, but what are the odds? I mean, slim chance they could do it. The truth is, this is an old team, some expensive guys, and if they don't, they don't. They're not careful. They could turn into the Astros.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, I'm, uh, you know, of course, with thirty teams out there, it's hard to follow uh, each of them very closely. However, I believe I've seen a couple of box scores uh, involving the Chicago White Sox recently. And I, I've seen names like uh, sorry, Omar Vizquel uh, playing third base. And I've also, I mean, since the beginning of the season, it, it has Mark Kotze not been uh, you know, their main DH against against righty, right-handed pitchers?
1: Yeah, but Mark Kotze. <laughs> which is worse? I mean, which is worse? I'll, I'll pose that to you. Smart. Which is worse? Sorry, playing? was that what? enough of a commentary on Kotze? That was Sorry, I just, I still can't believe they actually, Mark Caste DH not only happened but continues to
0: happen. <laughs> what do you think, Jack? Just uh, reflecting on the White Sox situation right now, what what's a more embarrassing situation? Is it is it having Caste as at least a you know a part time DH? Is it having Omar Vizquel sort of as the the strong side of a third base platoon, or or is there one other thing that you think it's even more disgusting going on with the White Sox?
2: Uh, it it probably has to be. Make- katse at the DH. He He's not a very good hitter, and you kind of need a good hitter at the DH spot. They're just not going to get that out of him. I mean, there's a reason that their uh, Woba right now is 320, 12 runs below average. I mean, they're, they're just not that good of a hitting team. I mean, Vizquel really can't play third either. That's pretty bad, but they at least called up Dion Viz- Vizieto. Is that how you pronounce that? It's got to be close, right?
0: Yeah, you're yeah you're good enough. In in, in your uh, Wisconsin accent, it sounds it sounds beautiful anyway.
2: Oh, of course. Yeah. It, so so that should be fixed at least. Now Vinciedo, more. What do you know about Vinciedo? Not a whole lot. Signed out of Cuba. Had a bad year last year, but was really raking in AAA this year.
1: Okay. Yeah, really low walk rate. And right. It, he's sort of like a question, a, there's questions about his conditioning. Two uh, that I've read. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be a huge prospect guy, but it's not as if but here's their uh, Alexi Ramirez. He ain't, in terms of
2: his. Uh, uh, here's his line name. with uh, AAA Charlotte right now: three twenty-nine on base, five thirty-three slugging in uh, about in two hundred and twenty-nine at bats and eight walks.
0: Okay, so so he's essentially a uh, right-handed Juan Francisco. Is that, uh, I mean, is that roughly the case let's we have l- here? That's not his ass yet.
1: Okay, um. no, but, but listen, but the thing about the White Sox is that, I mean, we, don't, we can talk about they, they, they're bad and stuff like that, but other than the fact that they have a 320 wobo with Paul Canerico and, and Alex Rios going nuts, basically offensively being great, is they're old and expensive, and if they if they sit around and wait, you know, I realize they're, you know, they don't have a ton of money coming off the books next year, with like Canerico and Przinski leading. I'm not even sure how, didn't Przinski's 5 and 10 rights vest recently? They should, I mean, yeah, so now, now he has no trade protection. They just need to, not only do they need to trade these guys, they need to, you know, Reinsdorf is, is willing to spend, they have over $100 million payroll to start the season. Reinsdorf apparently recently said he's willing to add a payroll. I'm not sure if they should do that, I mean, but they should be willing to not only send guys like Canerco, uh and definitely Brzezinski, of course. Those guys are, are done after this season with, the, with their contracts. They should be looking to Burley. Uh, PV if they can. I, I'm never clear day day to day whether PV is ever going to is going to pitch well as he did the other day, or if he's going to be hurt. And, and not only that, but eats a chunk of the contract, so they can get value back. This is, the, the team, their their farm system, you know, is, is regularly ranked in the bottom part of, of everyone's rankings. You know that may not mean a whole lot. So they do have they they have help coming, but just not enough.
0: Okay, so Clason, if you were to say. Uh, if you were to if you were to suggest one move that they should make that should be their priority, what would it be?
1: Paul Canerco, because he's coming off the book at the end of the year. He's hitting well, and even though he's not as good as he is, he's you know as his numbers right now, he still, he still has value to someone. You can eat. I mean, if you have, if you have to eat the rest of the contract to get a B prospect back, it's worth it because you're not going anywhere this year. He's not going to. You're crazy to re sign for next year, given his age. McNerico's been a good player. And you might be able to get something back that can help you
0: going forward. And to free up money for the free agent market next year. Okay. Um, Now, that's the uh, Chicago White Sox. Uh, Jack, we're eventually going to get around to discussing Neil Huntington with you. However, I believe that uh, today on the site, you put up a post about the Chicago Cubs. And I know uh, for you, as a native, Wisconsiner? Is it Wisconsiner or Wisconsinite? Wisconsinite. Okay, all right. I have to uh, I have to learn that sort of thing. That's important. Uh, for you as a native Wisconsinite, you are uh, you are totally in love with Chicago and vicinity. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the Cubs before, uh, as we've addressed the White Sox here. What is the uh, what should the Cubs do?
2: Well, the Cubs right now are 24 and 29 uh, as of this recording. They're seven games back. Of St. Louis, which doesn't sound, you know, in a division where the teams aren't that great, where they get to play Houston and Pittsburgh and uh, Milwaukee, I suppose, a lot. Yeah, uh, you know, that's not necessarily that big of a gap. But here's the thing, I think I think they just missed their chance to make a move because St. Louis went seven and has gone seven and nine since the start of the month. When you say, sorry, when you say they just missed their chance to make a move, do you mean make a move in the standings? Oh like a positive move move. Like sorry. a positive move. Okay, yeah. Like they 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 should have been able to gain a lot of ground. Because since June first, St. Louis is seven and nine, Cincinnati, who's in second place, a game and a half back, is six and eleven. The best team, gotta say this, has been my Milwaukee Brewers at eight and nine in the division. The Cubs went seven and nine. They gained nothing on St. Louis in what will probably be one of their worst stretches this year, because they're too talented to keep doing that. Is that a product
0: uh, that you're describing? Is that a product of interleague play mostly, or is it something else?
2: Um, It could be. Uh, I didn't really watch much interleague play outside of the Brewers, who actually did pretty well. They went 3-3 three and three against the Rangers and the Angels. Huh. Uh, but, good, uh,
0: good for them. So so you're saying that in terms <laughs> of making a move in, in the standings, uh, maybe the Cubs have Sort of, uh, you know, missed out. Uh, so, what do, where are they supposed to go from now? Should they give up on the season, or do they? I mean, is that really even an option in, I, chi- in Chicago, or or is that just kind of uh, would that sort of alienate the uh, fan base to to too large of a degree?
2: Um, that's that's a possibility, but I really don't think they need to like give up and start with a fire sale. But they really shouldn't actively be buying at this point. For one, they're, they're already the opening day payroll was 144 million which was tops in france their farm system is is good but not great and they they really need the guys at the top of their system to come through and be productive especially in the years where they're going to be paying alfonso soriano and carlos Zambrano a ton of money and so they won't be able to go out on the free agent market as they typically are able to do
0: where are those contracts right now the soriano and the zambrano contracts um, I
1: think there's about 17 years and 175 billion dollars left on the Soriano contract, but that I'm not sure if that's exactly the right numbers. But I think it's in the, in the something around setting. there.
0: Does that sound about right? There? Soriano's
2: making 19 million a year until 2014. <laughs> wow. Zambrano is making 18.875 in 2011 and 19 in uh,
1: 2012. That's reasonable for a you know, number four starter slash setup guy.
2: What? Yeah. Well, he's actually, uh I believe he's part of the rotation again. Isn't that right? He is back in the rotation. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, there's there's one piece that clearly they need to sell, and that's Ted Lilly, who is making $13 million this year and is then going to be a free agent. He has a 3-4-2 ERA, but he's just simply not pitching that well. His strikeouts are down. His walks are up, and he gives up a ton of fly balls. So he just can't afford to give up that kind of contact.
0: And you, he's going
2: to come back and fight him.
1: But can I ask? Can I? Can, but here's something interesting to me though. See when I when I look at a guy like Lily, if this is yeah. If, yeah, I, I agree. Let me just say I agree. They should trade Lily, But I, when I think of somebody who's having value, I mean, I guess yeah, they should try to trade somebody who's uh, not as good as their sort of their uh, superficial numbers, like ERA would lead them to Right. Super, but I just I'm not sure. Maybe I have too much confidence in GMs. I just don't. I won't, I mean, maybe this is differently on how we write the pieces, and that's fine. But I always think of Lily as having just less value; he's just not that valuable.
2: That's possible, that's but market.
1: I mean, I, I look when I when I I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it. When I look at him saying, a, "I don't know what his projected fit going forward is," let's say is four point five. It's not as good as his three point four ERA. Sure. I say, "Well, I say this isn't a guy who has a ton of value," because I assume that most GMs aren't uh, going to be fooled by a guy who's with a, I mean, maybe they he don't know, he- of fit. But maybe they are. I don't know. What do you think?
2: Well, I th- I think people are going to have to see are going to look at the two years previous where he actually performed really well, specifically yeah. in 2009.
1: No, I like Lily as a pitcher actually. Uh.
0: Well, he would only ever be traded to a contender at this point, right? Because he just right. he's he's towards the end of his contract.
2: Now, he's a rental.
0: Right. So the, the the problem is there or I mean in terms of trading is you're probably trading him to a smarter team. Mm-hmm. uh that would have a better idea of what he is now exactly what he is well, the cardinals <laughs> um you know but what he is in terms of uh true talent i guess is is hard to say using just this this year's numbers because
1: well, yeah, Zip so uh, season him as about a four-fifth guy, which that's a pretty good, you know, yeah, you good. know very good number three or a, 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 an acceptable number two starter in the NL, I guess.
0: But um, he is coming back from injury, if I'm uh, not mistaken, and so it's hard to say exactly how that's affected his uh, mechanics or just his, you know, his, like, physical abilities, right? So Personally, I like watching him pitch, right? Doesn't he have a, a
1: really goofy curveball or something?
2: Yeah, yeah, he's got a looper.
0: Yeah, he does have a, he does have a funny, I mean, he's around the plate, he throws a lot of strikes, which, uh, also of course makes him-
2: Here's fun. the thing though, Lily doesn't provide that much value to the Cubs right now because they have six legitimate starters when you throw in Tom Gorzolani, who's in the bullpen right now. Because he could easily slide in and replace or be similar to what Lily's giving you right now. And so, really, what not? Lily's value to a contender is much higher.
1: Oh yeah, they need to, they need to trade him. I mean, I the, the Cubs. I never know what's going on with the Cubs. They spend tons of money. I don't think the can I sorry to extend the Cubs thing here, Carson. I don't think that losing is going to hurt them. Hurt is going to hurt the fan base. The fan base is used to them being losers. Right, I mean, but my and, point is, I think there's a difference part between,
0: between losing and selling off pieces. Do you know yeah, if, you're, if you're selling s- off Ted?
1: I don't think selling off Ted Lilly and Ryan Terrio is going to hurt them. They might miss Lee. You know, but I mean, it's half a season. I don't think it's going to cost them that much money to come back. I mean, the Cubs suck. So they, they need to. Uh,
0: except for Giovanni don't know, Soto. The, oh, yeah, they, I mean, the teams as a whole. They do a Yeah, the, best. the Royals
1: suck, except for David De Jesus and Billy Butler. They still suck.
0: Right. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's stay in the NL Central and move to a uh, discussion uh, that uh, Jack is going to um, introduce to us. And that, that concerns Neil Huntington. And it looks like he's uh, a. A re-upped Neil Huntington. What's going on there, Jack?
2: Well, there had been some talk um, that possibly Huntington wouldn't be back because his deal expired after this year, but apparently that's not going to happen as Huntington was extended through 2011 along with Pirates manager John Russell. So it seems like they really like what Huntington has been doing. He's been acquiring a ton of cheap young pieces with something over a 100 years of team control t- to really get that team out of the basement. Which, obviously, is not happening this year, as they're something like 11, 12 games back with the Cardinals, and they're they're right down there with the Astros right now, and they, I believe, have the worst third-order record in the league, even worse than the Astros. Right, and, and,
0: and most of that, of course, was, uh, has come from two series with the Milwaukee Brewers, hasn't it?
2: That's, that's right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there, there certainly is hope for the Pirates. as they, they have Andrew McCutcheon, who's, who's a really good player. I, I'm a big fan of him and they just brought up Neil Walker at second base, Pedro Alvarez at third and Brad Lincoln at pitchers. So, you know, this is this is their chance to see how those prospects can really can really do for them. Also, Jose Jose Tabo was part of the Xavier Nady deal with the Yankees.
0: Yeah, they just he, keep they just keep calling guys up and uh and actually I believe um their draft pick, their first round draft pick from last year, uh Tony Sanchez, who was considered by many people Yeah, the catcher, yeah. Yeah, the catcher at a... Boston College. It's considered by a lot of people to be a reach, but he's actually—I don't think he's performed badly, uh, really, even for a second in his uh, minor league stints, which uh, makes him kind of exciting. Y- yeah, the Pirates. Uh, if you'll let me uh, editorialize briefly, uh, the Pirates are really exciting, um, especially I think to the, to the baseball nerd uh, because there has because Neil Huntington really has brought a philosophy with him. Has stuck to it, and there's just so much potential with that team, with the youth. And then if they get any sort of value whatsoever, any sort of production out of those younger players, uh, that w- that should only, uh, you know, magnify the contributions of any free agents they're able to sign. Um, you know, it'll give them a lot of space. Um, well, I, th- yeah, go. What's that? What's that? Cost? Well,
1: I think Carson. Why we're tra- why we in the nerdosphere, as I say, call it, are so attracted to the Pirates is because. Uh, they have a process that's actually a process <laughs> right uh, it's not just hey we're going to get some guys who are good at hitting and get good at pitching and then we'll talk down to you when it doesn't work as if you don't understand it <laughs> they, tra- they they actually realize hey you know they, they, we have to trade value to get value they don't just sort of dream that some, some bad suit some terrible player they have you know is going to actually end up having some value and be traded you know some so gonna be some somebody dumb, so they'll trade somebody like Nate McLeod uh they did uh, a couple, uh, was that last year or the year before? And they got value back. Now, the Miley's, now I don't know if Gorkys Hernandez, or whoever it was that you know going to try to Charlie Morton. Yeah, the idea <laughs> was that they're going to, is they would be good. Uh, early they'd have a shot, so they stockpiled, as Jack talked about, all this talent. And so they have an idea of what they're doing. Even the Tony Sanchez draft, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the point with that. But it was, it was clear uh, overdraft was so that they could get him for less, so they'd have more money to spend later in the draft on, on higher upside high school arms. So they have an idea of what they're going to do. They realize we can't just make a few moves and then be contending in two years. It's going to take a longer time. Now, whether it works, that's another question. I don't know whether Huntington is really good. It's hard to tell. I know that yeah, while the idea is there, I know that some people in the Sabre community question where they went for the right players all the time on the other end. Uh, but the idea is really there, and they have this is a case where it's one thing to say they have that long enough, you know. I mean, every GM is going to say that one of their team is terrible, or at least hint at that. I won't mention any names. I mean, they're going to say it's going to take ten years to build a farm system or something. Uh, but, but in Huntington's case, I think it's fair. I think uh, they don't really have any better options. They haven't really seen, you know, all the all the, this wave of guys he's drafting uh, that he's drafted are just coming up now, and so to make him a lame duck. I mean, they have. It. It's not like they've committed themselves to 2014; just the end of 2011. So I think it's a smart
0: move. Yeah, yeah, uh, Jack. I mean, are you feeling the same way? You, you of course, as a uh, fellow uh, NL NL Centralite, uh, you, I'm sure have got to see Pittsburgh. I wonder: are those games for you? Or is there some value in watching them, or uh, you know, because of all the young players, or are they just uh, too dull to uh, behold?
2: They're very interesting right now on the position players side, but their pitching is pretty tough to watch because there's really not much after Paul Mahalam who isn't much to begin with. Mm-hmm. So,
0: what's the plan there but, then, Jack? I mean, if you're uh, not not necessarily even if you're Neil Huntington, but uh, I mean, what does Neil Huntington have to do? Uh, is it a question of signing free agents? Because, to the best of my knowledge, besides Brad Lincoln, who they've recalled up recently, and besides Charlie Morton, who is nowhere near as bad as his uh, you know nine something ERA. And maybe maybe Mahomes, um, they don't really seem to have a lot of high upside arms. Uh, of course, we don't have Brian Smith or Mark well, here to test differently. Tim
2: Alderson was supposed to be the guy they got in the Freddie Sanchez trade from the Giants, but I haven't heard anything real good about him this year. Like velocity, not really there, not even breaking ninety. So that's that's bad news for them. But I mean, as far as this year goes, they're kind of in a bind because all all the Older free agents that they signed that could have been flipped at the deadline: Octavio Dotel and Ryan Church, mostly. and uh,
0: Akinori Irimura, who was recently dfa right. I believe. Right?
2: Terrible, all terrible.
0: Yeah, and is that Church- now, do, is that something that you think like that that you would have predicted, or do you think that's just a case of bad luck in all three cases? I thought
2: I thought Church was a great signing. I thought Iwamura was a decent pickup. Uh, Dotel, I wasn't really too excited about because he hasn't really done anything meaningful in a while. But I thought I thought Church and Uemura would be able to bring in some pieces at the deadline. It just didn't work out.
0: Yeah, Klaus, are you are you surprised by those three guys and how poorly they've performed?
1: Yeah, <laughs> they would all be terrible. I'm a big Ryan Church fan. Are we all though?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. I, I write for fan drafts. I mean, Ryan Church, Ryan Langerhans, they're Matt Martin.
2: <laughs> Matt
1: Martin. Yeah, maybe I should just become a fan of Japanese baseball. Maybe it would be easier. Um, but yeah, I. That is that is one thing I wonder about Huntington. I mean, he's making all these moves that uh, so many of them are not. I mean, like the Alderson thing, it doesn't work out. What were they going to get out See, that was another good move. What were they going to get out of Freddie Sanchez in the end? Nothing. Another win or two uh, over a couple of years. And then they could either re-sign him for his 30s, and he's all that like, great to begin with. The Alderson, but, but you know that's one thing I worry about. If none of these prospects, if none of the things they trade bring in, Bring in or working out, you have to start wondering if there's not something deeper going on, if maybe the scouting isn't good enough, and beyond what we can see from the from the inner tubes. Right. Uh, but 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 yeah, I, I agree that for every single move to go wrong like that, to to not bring back anything, um, is bad luck. But I think it you know we should put our red flags up a little bit. But like I said, I don't think the Pirates are in any position to do anything else but extend these guys.
0: Okay. Now I want to move on. Uh, once again, we'll, let's move on with the NL Central and to a guy who. Um, I don't know. He might be. Uh, he might be another case where there's some some debate between uh, scouting and numbers sorts of people. Maybe not, because um, I don't think that uh, uh, throwing a 93 mile per hour fastball as a lefty. I mean, that's going to get people's attention. I'm talking about Manny Parra. Uh, I am uh, among the hugest Manny Parra fans that there is, and I've noticed that recently he's been uh, uh, reinstated into the uh, rather thin. Milwaukee Brewer um, starting rotation, and uh, despite the fact that uh, he's, you know, once again running a super high uh, batting average of ball and play against, um, you know, he is has an ERA under four. Of course, that includes a number of relief innings, uh, but he also has an XFIP under under four. Um, and I've always, he's just a guy that I've always sort of looked at, and, uh, you know, quite honestly, from a fantasy perspective. I've uh, attempted to gamble on a number of times. He's back in the rotation, and I think he's had something like 23 strikeouts his last 17 innings as a starter. Jack, I definitely want to start with you uh, as far as this is concerned. Is uh, I, I mean, I want your general sentiments on uh, Manny Parra, and I want you to answer one specific question, which is, is he the second-best starter on the Brewers?
2: Uh, well, first I'll start out with my general sentiments. That 23 strikeouts in 17.1 innings is exactly right, and what is perhaps more... Uh, more encouraging is only seven walks. Which, I mean, it's not, it's not tremendous, but it's still better than his career numbers. And with all the strikeouts, you know, that's, that's the number you gotta like. And here's the three teams he's done it against. At St. Louis, at home against the Texas Rangers, and at Colorado. Wow. Three, de- three decent hitting teams. And he, he's put together some great starts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, listen. In the past, uh, well, there are a couple of things I want to ask you about him. In the past, it seems like you know he's had the strikeout numbers, and you know, and this is the case even this year though, he has a walk rate over four per nine, which is which is right. you know probably too high. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, once a guy uh, keeps showing um, BAPIP numbers, I mean, for him, he's been consistently above three thirty in three hundred eighty. Innings as a major leaguer, he has a, a batting average of ball play against of 350. You know, mm-hmm. at a certain point uh, in a in a I, I don't know when these numbers sorts of numbers stabilize, but that seems kind of nuts. to me, having watched him pitch, do you see um, s- something that would tell you about uh, why his walk rate is so high and why his, uh,
2: his bop it might be so high? Well, I think his walk rate is high because his secondary pitches, especially, have quite a bit of movement on them. Why is his, uh, Babbitt so high? I, I don't know. I mean, ground balls do have a higher, a higher Babbitt than fly balls. He gets all he gets a lot of ground balls on his splitter in particular, which he's throwing more often this year, which might have something to do with his success. But I mean, right now he's he's running that 362 Babbitt and an ERA under four, so maybe he can succeed with it. Maybe he hits too much of the zone with his secondary pitches, but there's nothing really obvious to me. As to why it's happening, like,
0: that. yeah, Klaassen, is it possible that a guy that this can happen to a guy? Is that he can run this huge uh, bomb play against average? Uh, you know, for over close to 400 innings in his career.
1: I I think it's going to come down. I, I just don't see it's going to stay that high. I mean, for one thing, uh, now part of it, as Jack said, uh, the ground balls are going to be in play. But of course, part of it's that he doesn't exactly have the 2000, 2009 Mariners behind him. Am I? I don't think I'm going out on a Not win. at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now a lot of that's gonna be like We were talking about this before the podcast that uh, Jim Edmonds won't kill you in center field anymore uh, <laughs> unless he has Corey Hart and uh, Ryan Braun playing beside him, and 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 although Prince and, and Prince isn't exactly uh, poo holes with the glove, and then you know we all like Ricky Weeks, but you know remember we remember we're talking about hey he's really going to prove on defense maybe he could be a minus five defender. I mean, need I go
0: on? I mean. And, and so, so really, it's it, 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 is the question: <laughs> whether LCD is a Esk-
2: defender on the Brewers right now? And right, LCD Escobar. That's it.
0: And then maybe if Gomez is in center, right? So if uh, right, yeah, you know, every third regular game.
2: Defender.
1: Right. So, so that's that's that. That's not all of it, but I think that's that's got to be part of it. Part of it is, is, is probably bad luck. I mean, it's just hard to. I mean, three sixty. For one thing, it's worth noting: the past two seasons, it's been over three sixty, um, and uh, I, I they're just. It's really I just feel like it's really unlikely it's going to stay stay that high. Um, one thing I think well, is interesting about this year. In, well, sorry, Jack, go ahead. I was going to say, one thing I think is interesting this year is he's getting guys to swing at his stuff outside the zone almost 10% more frequently than he has in past seasons. And I don't know, it seems like, Jack, I don't know if you want to comment on this. I mean, I, you wanna get the bad thing, but I want to hear you talk about this, is that it seems like, when I look at his numbers, uh, you know, we know pitch identification is tough is complex, is that he's really, uh, according to, to BIA's pitch types, he's really chilled on throwing his change up, he's about 10% less. And he started throwing his curve and his split splitter about 5% more each. but uh, I don't know if those two things relate at all. The O-swing percentage. And well, I think crazy, actually, I think sports. that maybe it might be like
0: a Brandon League type situation where it's actually a little bit difficult to tell uh, between the change and the uh, and the splitter. Um, which, which of course, That's
2: probably true. They're, they're pretty similar pitches,
0: right? Yeah, and I, I think that those those tend to be uh, a little bit tough to tell the difference between. So, because um, I know with league that happens, right? It's kind of hard to tell which one of these throwing at it. It's mm-hmm. the same pitch, I, I think, in both circumstances, but um, it gets classified differently sometimes. Um, but yeah, is the? I mean, is Para? You know, and this is of course part of my interest in baseball is aesthetic. Is Para a fun pitcher to watch? Do you think?
2: Oh, I think so. But uh, it's, he throws hard. He's got great stuff. His tremendous movement on his pitches gets a lot of strikeouts. I mean, that's that's kind of it's kind of part of what goes into nerd, isn't it?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, those are all things, of course, uh, that go into nerd. Uh, yeah, Para, um, if he doesn't show up on the nerd charts, uh, I think he should. Well, of course, with the uh, the inflated batting average and ball play, he he almost definitely would. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's a he's a player that it, it, I'll be honest, I've uh, picked up recently in my fantasy league, and uh, and uh, I hope that uh, that he you know comes through for me. Um, well, this is great, guys. Uh, th- thank you so much uh, for joining us on the uh, the Fangraphs Audio Podcast. Um, Jack, thank you for joining us uh, from Madison, and uh, and please do um, do stay in touch about the goings on there, as I was. I want to be a, a well-informed citizen when I arrive.
2: Oh, absolutely. We will uh, we will have you indoctrinated very quick.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you for that. And uh, Klaassen, um, you know, enjoy the uh, the one and a half weeks of summer you get up there in the frozen north.
1: And no doubt, I'm I'm gonna go eat, although I'll be dreaming of fried
0: cheese curds tonight. Do it, do it. And uh, as always, I am and uh, will continue to be, even when the podcast ends. Carson is Uh and this has been another white-hot edition of Fangraph's Audio.